Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and joining me today is Dr. Andre Johnson. Dr. Johnson is an associate professor of rhetoric and media studies in the Department of Communication and Film at the University of Memphis. He teaches classes in African American public address, rhetoric, race, religion, and interracial communication. Dr. Johnson is the founding director of the Henry McNeil Turner Project. Now, this is a digital humanities project dedicated to the writings and study of Bishop Turner. In addition, he has published two monographs on the life and legacy of Bishop Turner. The first one, The Forgotten Prophet, Bishop Henry McNeil Turner and the African-American Prophetic Tradition. And this was published in 2012, and it, it won an outstanding book award for the American African-American Communication and Culture Division of the National Communication Association. The second one, No Future in This Country, The Prophetic Pessimism of Bishop Henry McNeil Turner will come out in November of 2020, and this book is being published by the University Press of Mississippi. So let me give just a warm welcome to Dr. Andre Johnson, who will share with us the digital archival project dedicated to the study of Bishop Henry McNeil Turner, the 12th Bishop of the African American Methodist Church. Welcome, Dr. Johnson. It is indeed a pleasure and honor, Sister Bernice, to be on the show. I am excited uh, about today. I'm excited about talking about Bishop Turner and finally uh, meeting you via the Blog Talk Radio and via this wonderful program. So thank you for your invitation, and I am indeed honored to be here. Well, I am honored to have you because as I read through some of the writings of Dr. Turner, I said, this is just amazing. So let's begin with Henry Turner's beginning, and then you can tell us more about him. So where was he born? And give us just an overview of Henry McNeil Turner's life. 
All right. How long do we have? Okay. <laughs> I was just we we were just uh, talking a little bit earlier. I said I can talk about Turner all day. Uh, Turner was born February the first, eighteen thirty four, in Newberry Courthouse, South Carolina, uh, and uh, he was born uh, a freed uh, African American. Uh, worked. Um, he was hired out. If, uh, yeah, you can call it that. Um, in blacksmith shops, and, and you know, he did some field work, and and so on and so forth. Uh, but um, at an early age, um, had a sense that he was destined um, to speak before large crowds, to um, uh, become something um, um, great, um, using his own words, and to um, help um, his people, as he would say. And so at the age of 19, he becomes licensed uh, in the uh, Methodist Episcopal Church at the time um, to preach the gospel, went around um, all over um, um, the place preaching the gospel, um, went to different um, schools, University of Georgia, um, to be exact, to uh, preach uh, in Athens, Georgia, went all around the South, but he could never in the Methodist Episcopal Church uh, Sister Bernice, he could never be ordained, and basically uh, that led him uh, a chance meeting with the AME Church, uh, and uh, where he met, of course, Bishop Payne and the other um, bishops and other ministers of the AME Church, and he switched affiliations right around 1859, um, some dated at 1860, um, right around that time, and then he moved to Washington, D.C., where, um, let's just say, his career just blossomed. Um, Turner um, was the pastor of um, Israel um, Church uh, in Washington, D.C. He becomes the first chaplain in the armed forces with the uh, first uh, United States um, Colored Troop um, Division, and um, he was a chaplain during the Civil War, he becomes the first general postmaster um, back in Georgia when he moves uh, back to Georgia after the Civil War. And then, of course, he becomes publication manager of the AME Church, um, the 12th bishop, as you already mentioned, uh, proponent of immigration, uh, and one of the uh, prophetic lights of not just the black church or the AME Church, but I will consider him one of the prophetic lights of the church universal because he spoke truth to power and he was not afraid to, uh, using his words again, hurl thunderbolts at folk in situations that needed it. Wow. So, <laughs> and that's, that's hurl thunderbolts. of his life, but yeah. So with that said, tell us about Turner's writings, and yes. also give us an idea of the resources that you use to find yeah. his writings, because after all, this is a digital humanities project, and yes. it's dedicated to his writings, so please, uh, I want you to take as much time as you can to share <laughs> with us his writings and the mm -hmm. resources. Where did you find them? Well, uh, let's start at the beginning. 2005, I was a graduate um, student at the University of Memphis in the Department of Communication at the time, and it was um, 
our one of our graduate seminars where I had already decided that I wanted to um, do my dissertation uh, research and project on prophetic rhetoric or prophetic discourse. One of my advisors, um, um, a guy named John Campbell, uh, suggested that uh, I may want to find a figure or a person to attach what I find on prophetic rhetoric to. So I'm thinking, okay, who can I get? Okay, the obvious choice, of course, was Dr. Martin Luther King. But I felt that, you know, many people were writing about him. So um, I began to think. And then in this class, um, I was just running, just looking through something. I, I can't remember what. I don't know if it was a book, an article, or something online. But I ran across Turner's speech on the eligibility of colored members to have seats in the Georgia legislature. And that was the complete title of the pamphlet. Uh, September the 3rd, 1868. And I ran across that speech. It was just, um, um, it wasn't a full speech. It was just some uh, exerted uh, parts, exerted parts. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is profound. What year is this again? Surely it's not 1968. It's not 2000, 2001. It was 1868. So I'm like, okay. Let me look up this figure, a guy named Henry McNeil Turner. Never heard of him. Didn't know he was affiliated with AME Church. Didn't know any of that. And I began to look at some of his stuff, and I'm like, first of all, I'm like, that's not a lot out here about Bishop Turner. So I'm thinking, oh, okay, that makes sense, because 19th century bishop, he probably um, – well, 19th century pastor at the time, because remember, I didn't know he was a bishop, uh, had been a bishop. But, you know, 19th century preacher, pastor, uh, he probably spoke extemporaneously, didn't have a whole lot of stuff written, so maybe that's the reason why. But then when I began to dig deeper and run across this wonderful newspaper called the Christian Recorder, I began to see Henry M. Turner, H.M. Turner, Henry McNeil Turner, Reverend Turner, in these bylines or, you know, uh, signatures at the end of these wonderful um, essays or uh, uh, articles. And I'm like, wait a minute, this guy wrote a lot. So, so there is research about him. So let me just go to the research now because I got excited. And all of a sudden, I realized that there was not much. And remember, this is 2005, and then into 2006 when I uh, began writing uh, my dissertation. I was like, the literature, and anybody that's done a dissertation knows that part of your dissertation, you've got to have a literature review or a review of the folk that have written about the subject that you're going to talk about. And my literature review was kind of small because it wasn't that much material on Bishop Turner. Nineteen, I can, I can. This is off the top of my head because I had it. In, it's ingrained. Nineteen seventeen, M. M. Ponton, um, um, non-critical biographical treatment of Turner. You don't get another Turner academic uh, treatment until nineteen thirty-eight. Then you don't get another one until nineteen sixty-four. 
uh, and that was uh, one from a historian that was from the Dunning School that criticized all black folk in Reconstruction. So, you know, you can take that with a grain of salt. And then in 1965, you get another one. Until 1960, uh, 1971, um, when um, um, Edwin Redkey collected some of the writings of Turner, 1971, we don't even have Turner writings until 1971. And then um, uh, a dissertation came out in um, 1972 by Mel Cummings. 1992, you get a first biographical treatment. So that's what I was working with, like six or seven pieces of academic research, plus, though, all of the writings that I found. So I had to decide what writings, what I was going to use in the dissertation, but I've always had in the back of my mind that when I finished my dissertation, I was going to come back to Turner, and I was going to collect everything that I found on Turner and I was going to start publishing them um, in, in books, in volumes. And I have done that. You know, uh, the Literary Archive of Bishop Henry McNeil Turner uh, is available. Uh, we're up to the sixth volume right now. It's an academic press, Edwin Mellon Press, and they were the only ones that uh, said to me when I was trying to search for publishers that we will publish everything that you find, find on Turner. And they have... Since I finished back in 2008, they have since kept their word. Um, the first volume was published in 2010. So all of those first six volumes are published there. But there was so much that I decided, and this is you know where we met, to we need a digital humanities project because everybody won't be able to get the book or afford the book. Let's just make this available. Um, and talking with I never forget having a lunch having lunch with Pierre Foreman. Dr. Pierre Foreman is the director of the Colored Conventions Project, a digital humanities project. Um, she shared with me the concept of putting Turner's writings uh, in a digital humanities project. And so I started that back in 2015, 2016, uh, and then um, – I am up to now, I think we are up to like 350 um, documents uh, on Bishop Turner. And as I was mentioning to you earlier, we have um, um, some more to upload this summer. Another, I think it would be 70, if I'm not mistaken, documents that we're going to try to upload this summer um, um, to the um, Digital Humanities Project. So I have been working. And people, you know, laugh at me when I say this. I've been working with Turner since 2005, uh, and whereas many people, um, once they do the dissertation or write their first book uh, from the dissertation, they move on. Um, Turner is so rich, so powerful. Um, writings are so vast that I have not been able to move on, nor do I want to, uh, because Turner is a powerful uh, writer, powerful individual, and I talk about him as if he's still here, like in the present tense. <laughs> but and I know that. But um, the way that I read him and the way that he speaks to me, even in these trying times today, um, gives me 
um, um, comfort, it reassures me, and it lets me know that certain people have gone mm-hmm. before me um, that uh, fought um, some of the same injustices that we all fight even today. Now, one of the things that you and I spoke of was uh-huh. that the value of Turner's writings to genealogists today. So mm-hmm. tell us what what can you what can we gain from his writings that will help us understand what our ancestors were going through. Right. I think that's a great question. Uh, and um, and I think right off the top of my head, two um, reasons why. The first one is that Turner, in many of his writings, especially the ones um, that he wrote describing his travels and, and talking about where he went and where he preached and um, where he spoke and who spoke and all of that, he names names. He names locations. He names even, uh, to a certain degree, uh, streets, you know, or, or places where you can say, oh, okay, I can put a pen here. So for genealogists who want to know names and, and, uh, um, and, and places and spaces, um, Turner is excellent at that. But the second thing that he does, he also talks about the context in which he finds himself in. And that's what I found so remarkable. Um, as a, um, um, a rhetorical historian, I'm always looking at where um, uh, people that are making arguments, what context are they making the arguments, because that helps shape the argument. Nobody speaks in a vacuum, and nobody speaks without the context uh, uh, being important. So Turner talks about um, the Civil War. He talks about particular uh, battles in the Civil War. Civil War uh, um, historians love that, and genealogists will love that too because he begins to name the names, he begins to name spaces and places. And, And let me add one more. I just thought about one more that I think is very, very unique for a 19th century writer. Uh, and especially a 19th century uh, African-American preacher writer uh, on top of that. Turner names names of women, and he names them, and he looks upon them uh, as co-laborers. He looks upon them as having gifts and abilities themselves. Um, As you probably already know, in 1885, he is credited with ordaining the first woman in the AME church, Sarah Ann Hughes. Um, that, of course, ordination was rescinded by the bishops, and it wouldn't be until 1948 <laughs> that uh, the AME church would uh, ordain another woman, and that ordination stick. But Turner was very, um, as much as you can be in the 19th century, uh, pro-woman. So he names these women, So, and he names them a lot of times, with their full names. A lot of times um, genealogists and historians uh, uh, have trouble trying to sort out the names of, of women, especially because in the 19th century, woman was known by her married name and um, known as Mrs. Bishop so-and-so, so-and-so. It's like, you know, her name has been erased. 
what Turner tries to do in some of his writings is to uh, lift up the name of the person so a genealogist or somebody can say, oh, that's the person I've been looking for. Let me go back and see if I can find something else. So um, those three things, I think, right off the top of my head, I think that would be immensely helpful for genealogists, historians, and people who just lovers of history and black church history as well as African-American history um, as well. So how do you organize the the writings on your website so that yep. we could really delve into a specific time period? I do it chronologically. So uh, right now if you go to the website, you have the 18, you have writings under the writings tab. The drop-down mm-hmm. tab will read 1859 to 1865. That's his earliest writings included is in there is the diary, um, about six entries that we have. Um, and this is a diary that Turner was attempting to keep before the um, Civil War um, started, of course, in 1861. But um, um, we get the inside mind of Turner during this um, um, crucial time in American history. And then the second, um, uh, I guess, division of the writings, I have a separate entry for the chaplain's letters, the chaplain letters. He wrote many letters while a chaplain in the, um, for, in the Union Army. And if you want to get an idea of black soldiers, um, uh, what black folk were doing during the Civil War, what uh, black folk in the military were doing, black chaplains uh, uh, were doing, what some of the uh, white soldiers and leadership were doing, a great place to start is Bishop Turner's writings. He does a wonderful job in kind of just talking about the happenings, if you will, uh, um, uh, on the battlefield. And, and, and he writes about these individual battles as well, too. Um, so that's very, very valuable. The third division is 1866 to 1880. Then we have 1880 to 1892. And then 1893 to 1900. And what we are about to put up is his first um, writings of his African, his first African trip which was in 1891. Um, so we're going to have a separate, um, a separate tab, if you will, um, for all of his writings while he was in Africa. He made four trips to Africa, 1891, uh, 1893, 1895, and 1898. And we're going to have, and one of the goals is to have a separate tab for all of the African writings. So we get an opportunity to see Turner gathering these letters is you have given us 
an opportunity to gain insight into several different eras. And so my big question to you, because you said when you started working on your dissertation, you Uh had to, of course, do a review of the literature, and you didn't Uh find a lot. But now you are finding. So where are you finding all of these letters? Tell us your sources. Right. No, no, that is great question. The very first spot that I found uh, um, many of the writings was the Christian Recorder newspaper. And when I give talks on Turner, I always like to pause just for a moment and to thank the African Methodist Episcopal Church, the AME Church, for the Christian Recorder uh, newspaper and the, persever- uh, the, the uh, preservation rather of the newspaper. What we know, a lot that we know about the black church, about black life in the 19th century, um, black um, 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 military history, uh, uh, political history, the, the stuff that we know about black folk came from that newspaper. So I just want to shout out uh, the bishops of the AME Church for keeping that uh, resource alive. And when I discovered it, um, uh, it took uh, – I had my first job right after uh, graduating uh, in the fall of 2008 and – yeah, fall of 2008 and 2009, that, that school year. Uh, I was a uh, research fellow at Memphis Theological Seminary, and that year was me collecting all of the writings that I found on Turner via the Christian Recorder newspaper – there in a library alone, me sitting in the library, sometimes all by myself at the old microfish uh, station and cranking out. You know, a lot of people, when I talk about this, there was no search engine. I had to go every page. Now, luckily, the paper wasn't that large and big, but every page I can remember cranking out each page, page by page, looking for all writings of Turner, looking for any mention of Turner, because I've collected a lot of writings about people who wrote about Turner. Now, that's another project that I have to work on uh, later, but I collect a lot of those writings as well, too. Uh, So the Christian Recorder newspaper. And the good thing about the Henry McNeil Turner Project, this primary source project, if you go to any of the speeches or the writings, um, I tell you exactly where we got them from, so you can go back and find them yourself. I have, um, if if a lot of the stuff that have come from the pamphlets that I publish online somewhere, I have linked those as well too. Because after the Christian Recorder newspaper, uh, I went to 19th century books and I did old school foot chase, um, footnote chasing. Um, if if a person wrote about Turner and they uh, made a footnote, I went and tried to find the book. Thankfully, a lot of those 19th century books are published online um, by Google, uh, Google Books. Uh, I found um, many uh, uh, speeches and writings and, and, and people talking about Turner there. Um, the pamphlets, as I mentioned earlier, I found that very helpful. I uh, found some uh, extant uh, published pamphlets that had his whole speeches in them. And the other thing that I found, and a lot of people 
forget about this as a research uh, opportunity and method, is that you can find a lot of writings from your figure that you're studying in other people's, um, you know, archives. So, for instance, there were several different archives, like Booker T. Washington's archive, people who have full-fledged archives. That's one of the things, really reason why I wanted to collect Turner writings. Turner does not have a bounded archive. Um, Library Howard, uh, the um, um, uh, Springham, Moreland Springham uh, um, Library, they have a couple of boxes of clippings, and somebody did that um, trying to collect some stuff on Turner, which was great. It got me started. But when I began to just unpack all of this, I said Turner deserves an archive, and the best way to do it in the 21st century, of course, is to do a digital humanities project. So those are some of the sources and some of the places that I uh, collected some of this stuff, So, um, and I'm always looking. So if anybody out there got uh, a letter uh, in an attic somewhere that Bishop Turner wrote to your ancestor, uh, anybody listening that is a direct descendant of Bishop Turner, and you got some stuff, because um, Turner was always rumored to be writing a book on preaching, a book on theology, a book on his time in the state house in Georgia, because he was one of the first black state representatives in Georgia. Matter of fact, he built the Republican Party in Georgia uh, with his pamphlet um, that has been so far lost to history, hopefully we can find it, uh, that was republished so many times because it was so successful in getting African Americans to the polls and to support the Republican Party at the time. So if you have that pamphlet or you have anything on Turner, please reach out to me. I'm on Facebook. Uh, you can reach out to me via uh, my email address at the University of Memphis. I would love to talk with you. I would love to include that um, into the collection. Now, I know, and this is wonderful, and I hope that people will reach out to you, especially if they have some of his papers or, you know, you now have me thinking, let me go back into some Civil War pension files to see if he was the chaplain. Uh, right. One of the, yeah, because, I, you know, I never thought of that, but now you have given me a person to look for. But also, you you mentioned that you were going to read some something. Uh, now I know that on your site you have Turner on President's message, and this was in the Christian Recorder, dated March twenty uh-huh. first, eighteen sixty two, and so it was in response to a speech that was delivered by President Abraham Lincoln. So uh-huh. what can you tell us about Turner's response to uh, President Lincoln's speech? Okay, let me just try to get that. Um, because he had many different responses. Give me that date. And you don't have to do that when you can do any okay. of them, but I want people to just hear Turner's oh, yeah. words. Yeah. Um, if um, give, give me that date again. Mm-hmm. You said it was what date? What was it the date? It was. Again? I'm gonna tell you in a minute because uh-huh. I just I just looked at it a second ago, <laughs> and it was March 21st, 1862, in the Christian Recorder. Yeah. 
There it is. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Turner, and and, and this is, this is um, um, interesting because Turner had this kind of, um, when people ask me, what do you think about Abe Lincoln? Um, he eventually comes around to think that Abe Lincoln was, was a good good man, but he had this love-hate relationship early on because he thought he was a, 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 a waffling president. Um in one speech, uh, Lincoln would come out strong in, fer- in favor of uh, eradicating um, slavery. In the next, you know, um, he wanted to try to uh, negotiate with folk down um, in the South. So um, in this particular message, um, he, was, he called uh, Lincoln, um, talked about recommending compensated um, um, compensation for the in, uh, for the people that own humans, and Turner is like, oh no, so no, what are you talking about? What what's going on here? I thought we were just going to. So Turner is always making sure that depending on the context and the situation, um, if Turner, if you were in support of what Turner was in support of. He will support you. If you were not, he will come out and be critical. Um, but passing on from congressmen to the lower grades of society, we behold governors, state legislators, mayors, counselors, police officers, uh, Irishmen, Germans, women, children, and all gods of the universe, the Ethiopian, all making terrible strides to get the paper. And why are they trying to make strides to get the paper? They thought that freedom was going to be at hand. But once they get it, Turner says nothing. So nothing would come from that. It would be the Emancipation Proclamation itself that would come a little bit later that Turner really gets excited about. So, um, and, and I also want to mention, since we're talking about Turner's writings, can we talk about just um, – one in particular that um, maybe speaks today um, with some of the stuff that's going on. Um, Turner wrote a lot uh, mm-hmm. about the violence that's facing African Americans, and as we talked a little bit earlier, um, for example, December the 14th, 1876, in the Christian Recorder, um, Turner talks about the best that can be said for this country is that it is a nation of murderers. The North has been killing Southern Negroes as virtually as the KKK and white leagues have, and every white statesman, orator, minister of the gospel, merchant, doctor, private citizen in this whole nation who has not fought these massacres for holding your mouth is no excuse. And the injustice perpetrated on the black, on blacks, the nation wards are guilty before God, and if they ever get to heaven at all, he writes, they will have to swim there through the blood of 46,000 Negroes, which is reported in Washington, have been killed since January of 1866. So he's talking about a 10-year span, 46,000 African Americans um, died at the hands of bandits, mobs, marauders, the KKK, white uh, supremacist, and white supremacy itself. And that was 1876. 1876. That he wrote this. 
And, you know, um, uh, and in 1897, um, he was um, famous for um, the New York Times character headline, Negro Gets Gun- Get Guns. Mm-hmm. Um, the headline was in reference to Turner's commentary on the lynching of John Johnson and Archibald Jointry of New Orleans. And Turner is, like, fed up, and he's like, you know, if marauders, white supremacists can just come into your house, drag you out the house, and lynch you, Turner is like, maybe African Americans need to arm themselves. And he got into some hot water about that because he said, quote, let every Negro in this country with a spark of manhood in him supply his house with one, two, or three guns or with a seven or 16 shooter. And we advise him to keep them loaded and ready for immediate use. And when his domicile is invaded by bloody lynchers or any mob by day or night, Sabbath or weekday, turn loose your missiles of death and blow your fiendish invaders into a thousand giblets. He closed the essay by saying, get gun, Negroes, get guns, and may God give you good aim when you shoot. So he's making a Second Amendment argument in 1897 defending your house. Now, people will say that's violent. No, he's not saying go out and kill folk. He's saying if they come to your house, protect you and yours. And, of course, um, many, many folk, as I write in the new book that's coming out in uh, November, um, both black and white had issue with Turner when he did that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, this is certainly a project that, with writings that I would strongly encourage individuals to take the time to go to the Henry McNeil Turner Project dot org website, where you will have an opportunity to review the letters, the diary, and as Dr. Johnson mentioned. He has that information broken down by timelines so that you can look at the various periods to see exactly what was going on. So before we close out, do you have any parting words for for the listeners before we close out the show today? Well, um, first of all, thank you for the invitation. Again, um, the ability to share about um, uh, a passion of mine, a love, a labor of love, the Henry McNeil Turner Project, and and talking about Bishop Henry McNeil Turner. Uh, he is a voice um, that needs to be um, heard even today, right now. Uh, I think that he speaks to us uh, throughout generations, and um, I am just honored and privileged of the opportunity to do that. Uh, I do want to remind everybody that, um, as you mentioned in the introduction, that um, there are two full monographs available on Turner by me. The first one, um, The Forgotten Prophet, Bishop Henry McNeil Turner and the African-American Prophetic Tradition. Um, that was uh, a um, – that was well, I tell people that's my dissertation, uh, revised. That's, uh, and then the second um, book coming out um, November 
um, but you can order it right now for a 30% discount, is No Future in This Country, uh, The Prophetic Pessimism of Bishop Henry McNeil Turner. And in it, I talk about how Turner becomes this pessimistic prophet, believing that America will never live up to the values ascribed in the creeds and documents as it relates to African Americans. And he really problematizes this notion of what do you do when you know that change is not coming or at least not coming quick enough. And I think we're asking that question right now in this context where police violence is just running amok. Um, People are seeing, even with cameras on, um, police officers are still um, killing uh, unarmed black folk shooting up in their houses while they sleep, choking them out with uh, um, using their knees and putting their knees on the throat. And Turner asked the question back in 1895, you know, um, what, do you, what do you do when nothing that we have done in the past or what we're doing now can change your mind, your heart, your belief system about the humanity of black people. So um, um, we're still wrestling with that question today. And in the book, I talk about what Turner did and how Turner lives as a pessimistic prophet. And I hope I'm able to come and share with your audience when the book is out and released and, and, and all uh, to share some uh, of the book with your um, audience as well. So, uh, again, thank you. And it has been indeed a pleasure. Well, thank you very much. And to the listeners, let's keep this conversation going. Uh, Let's just pray for the family of the Floyd family and for others that are victims of violence. And also pray for those that have lost their lives. Over 100,000 people have lost their lives to COVID-19. So we have so much to pray for and to to understand and to come together to to talk about where do we go from here. So thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Johnson, and thank you, listeners. And I look forward to you all all joining me next week. This is your host, Bernice Alexander-Bennett, and check out my book, Tracing Their Steps, a Memoir, on Amazon. Bye. Bye.